Hey, what's up? Alex Kapitko here, and it's the Centered from Reality podcast. Today is, what day is it? Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday, February 8th, and halfway through the week, it's a beautiful day here in the Lake Tahoe, Reno area. I think it was about 50 degrees out. I, I wore a jacket when I went out on a run uh, and had to take it off, so <laughs> I can't complain too much about that. Anyways, I want to talk about today the chaos that is just getting worse in Peru, and I also want to give my thoughts on the State of the Union. But first, I just wanted to start with a little anecdote slash like epiphany I had. I don't know if you really want to call it that, but it was something. Last night, I was watching the State of the Union, and I decided to have a beer. And I opened up the beer, and well, actually, sorry, let me let me go back. Before I opened up the beer, I have a new thing where I like to really clean the can. And so I was I was in the sink cleaning the can, put a little bit too much soap on there, and it was hard to get the dish soap out of the cracks on the side of the can before you open it. And so then I was thinking, is it really worth me washing this can? Because ingesting a bunch of soap is going to make me sick. So do I want to risk something being contaminated on the top, or do I want to risk being sick from the soap, which will definitely happen if there's still soap on the can? And it made me think, sometimes the cure is worse than the disease, and... <laughs> Then I saw a notification flash on my phone about Ron DeSantis, and I started thinking that this guy might actually have some issues going forward, just because his cure for what he deems wokeism might be worse than the actual real, like, annoying leftists out there. And what I mean is that he wants to basically tell schools and tell parents what their kids will learn in school. Now, I understand why an elementary school parent students, whatnot, maybe should not be just taught a lot of, you know, very complex issues about our history and race. And side note, they don't. But then again, for Ron DeSantis, then to go in and basically ban AP classes that pretty much you elect to take if you want to take them. No one's forcing you to take AP classes. Maybe your parents are. But other than that, it's kind of insane. So I'm wondering, you know, Ron DeSantis is coming off as kind of this medicine that that is going to stop the disease of wokeism but you have to wonder is is the cure worse than the disease here is it going to backfire and i think a lot of people think that what's his name glenn yunkin who won you know virginia governor back in 2021 a lot of people thought it was because he was standing up against critical race theory which really doesn't exist in especially elementary and middle school I think a lot of people thought that he won because he was going against it. But in reality, I think he won because parents were pissed off that the schools had been closed due to the pandemic and they wanted their kids in person and they wanted these dumb mask mandates lifted in classrooms. That's why I think he won is because he was willing to open schools up, not because he was willing to get rid of CRT in schools by basically banning what schools do. And I'm just curious, you know, as it's clear Trump and DeSantis are going after each other. Is putting all the soap on top of the can to clean it before you drink out of it better than just drinking out of the can and hoping you don't get sick? (laughs) I know it's an awful metaphor, so please don't judge me too much. But I just, you know, I mean, today, Trump, you know, Trump's attacking DeSantis again. I just wonder, like, Trump Trump has stayed out of the extreme, almost authoritarian bannings that, that DeSantis is getting into. And I wonder if a lot of Americans are really going to like that. Of course, critical thinking is not big, so maybe they will. But anyways, just some food for thought. I want to continue on to the state of the union or maybe the state of disunion. And I want to start with a video. I think it was a really good trap that Biden put Republicans in. So we're going to start with that video and then I'm going to give you my thoughts. So we'll talk after this. 
But the, the, the fun thing here, I'll just say, is that Biden basically is calling out some of the Republicans who want to sunset entitlements like Social Security, and he's trapped them into saying they won't do it, caught live, recorded, everyone can see it. And I think it was one of the great parts of his State of the Unions. Instead of making the wealthy pay their fair share, some Republicans, some Republicans want Medicare and Social Security to sunset. I'm not saying it's a majority. <laughs> conversion you know it means if, if congress doesn't keep the programs the way they are they go away other republicans say i'm not saying it's a majority of you i don't even think it's even a significant but it's being proposed by individuals i'm not politely not naming them but it's being proposed by some of you look folks the idea is that we're not going to be we're not going to be moved into being threatened to default on the debt if we don't respond. <laughs> Folks. So, folks, as we all apparently agree, Social Security and Medicare is off the, off the books now, right? They're not to be spoken. Moving on here, like, like there's something really good about what he did here. And David Frum writes about it in The Atlantic a little bit. I'm not going to get into that article as much. But what Biden does here is, look, look, it's true that Rick Scott, <laughs> who is an atrocious senator, who just seems to completely be a failure at doing his job. Remember, he's the one that was out on a yacht in Italy babbling about spending, and then he completely tanks the Republican chances in the midterms, and he he was horrible with the committee's money, etc. Well, he's one of the guys who was really big on sunsetting entitlements right before the midterms came out, and everyone was pissed off, blah, blah, blah. So it is true that there are Republicans in the Senate, at least, who have talked about, as I talked about last week, strengthening Social Security, which is really just making it solvent by cutting it or at least cutting it significantly. And Biden, Biden did a really good thing here, and Frum talks about this, is Biden almost like wanted to work with the hecklers. Because as we'll talk about in a bit, the Republicans were really heckling a lot. And it seems like Biden almost played into it and had fun with it. And that clip shows it. And he also got all the Republicans saying, no, we're not going to cut Social Security. Everyone stands up and says we're going to keep it. I think that'll be really good down the road to use as a soundbite. But... I will also say, before we get into more of my specific thoughts, it was a bad night for Republicans because it just showed how crazy they are. It was also a bad night for Kevin McCarthy, who is clearly just speaker by name only. I talked about yesterday how he didn't actually want these people to all start heckling and interrupting and blah, blah, blah. And they did. And he just sat there sometimes shushing, sometimes shaking his head. And nothing worked. I mean... This guy's life was probably pretty bad last night, and so that's always good. And the one thing I will also add is that if, like, in that video, it seems like everyone's kind of having fun. Like, Marjorie Taylor Greene's, like, laughing as she's booing, and Biden's having fun trolling them. Like, 
look, I think politics shouldn't be this divisive. Like, I, I would probably prefer to go back to a time when we had a respectful State of the Union. But it seems like both sides at this point are just kind of like, yeah, we're going to be partisan and attack the other side. And Biden was pretty effective at it. The Republicans were not. I mean, of course, Fox News will probably say they were or whatever. So anyways, getting into my like general thoughts on all of this is I think Biden, if you didn't watch the State of the Union, I'm just going to go into my thoughts. If you did, then hopefully you know what I'm talking about. But Biden did put out some policy goals some policy achievements, which he's actually had a lot in his first two years. But rhetorically, he really tried to walk a tightrope between populism and traditional neoliberal, you know, centrist values. He tried to also walk the line on police reform and not sounding too woke, if you want to call it that. Side note, Tyree Nichols' parents were there. Everyone stood up for them, except for Marjorie Taylor Greene, which I didn't know she was against the murder of a seemingly innocent guy but apparently yeah she didn't stand up for that so nothing surprises me anymore but anyways biden's you know tightrope also included supporting capitalism but criticizing the lack of fair taxation on billionaires and the wealthy while he tried to keep this balance the one thing that kept coming to my mind though is that he really did seem more like an economic left-wing populist he seemed more so than barack obama oh, barack obama sorry and look, he's not a good public speaker, but he really came off as fascinating to me. He really did. And he seemed like quite a populist. And I actually don't know if I agree with all this economic populism, especially in terms of manufacturing and stuff. It's something that's, that Trump started, and now we can't really get rid of it, in a sense. It was, it was really fascinating to me. I should also start by noting that I think Biden at times was hyperbolic in the speech, and he was clearly baiting Republicans. But he also made it sound like everything was existential. Everything was Republicans' fault. And I liked that he talked about policy goals, his successes, etc. But I did sometimes feel my eyes rolling a little bit. Like he, of course, starts, you know, talking about the existential threat that Republicans are to democracy, which I agree with. But I also think in a State of the Union speech, you need to talk about more economic issues as well. Everything was existential. Of course, it was because that's kind of the way things are going here. But as I alluded to earlier, I did like his, you know, bait and then trap about Senator Rick Scott's proposal over the last year to at least sunset entitlements like Medicare and Social Security. And this comes when the House, which Kevin McCarthy is leading, has talked about the FAIR Act. If you don't know about the FAIR Act, the FAIR Act is basically looking to propose what is to the effect of a 30% sales tax, which... I don't want to get into all the specifics of regressive versus progressive versus flat taxes, but a 30% sales tax on everybody is one of the most regressive things I've ever heard about because instead of taxing the wealthy or even having a flat tax, or even having a progressive tax, this is looking at anyone who goes to the market is going to be taxed close to 30%. And who's that going to hurt? That's probably going to hurt the person who is just struggling to buy groceries to make the day work. So it's, again, kicking the ball down the road, away from the rich to the poor. And so I think it was good that Biden has really, really attacked Republicans about some of their just really flawed economics at this point. And I think, I think he's made it clear that he really, really thinks that the Republicans don't have any actual ideas other than just helping helping the elites and the rich and he's made it clear that republicans by strengthening social security are actually going to massively cut it 
And going on, though, I was surprised, I was very surprised, however, that Biden did not talk much about China, Ukraine, or the border. Now, he talked about fentanyl a little bit, fentanyl a little bit, excuse me, and, you know, he talked about how it's a major issue, which it is. Of course, I think it was Matt Gates screams out, it's your fault. Look, it's not Biden's fault. I think, I think if you have a brain, at least in my opinion, if you have a brain, you would understand that Trump's actions at the border and the pandemic temporarily halted immigration. The pandemic was a big reason why a lot of people weren't coming over the border. The pandemic has lessened and people are coming back. Look, Trump had a border crisis back, what, in 2018 into 2019 before the pandemic. Biden's having the same thing. Biden's policies, there's a lot of areas with it where this happens, where a lot of Biden's policies are quite similar to Trump's policies. And Biden and Trump really have not switched much on the border. But anyways, it was interesting to me that Biden has kind of not talked about this. Now, I understand why, because it, like, let's be honest, it hasn't been great at the border for Biden. Trump focused on it and blamed Democrats. Biden's just kind of not talked about it. And we are seeing a surge at the border. I'm not saying it's Biden's fault. I'm not saying it's Trump's fault. It's just our asylum process is broken. And yes, there's a lot of issues in Central and North America that are causing this to happen. But Biden seemed detached from the fact. And he talked about how his administration had put more border patrol on the border, how they were doing a good job. And I just don't know if that's true. As you know, as he talks about this, the camera jumps over to Secretary Mayorkas, who I don't think has done a good job. I will actually agree with the right on that. And look, I'm not for the theatrics that Governor Abbott, Governor Santis, DeSantis, sorry, have conducted. It's stupid, pointless, and just evil, in my opinion. But it does seem like the Biden administration doesn't want to talk about the border. And look, whether it's a manufactured crisis or not, a lot of Americans are talking about the border, especially on the right. Like, trust me, I have family who, and every time we talk politics, the border comes up. So a lot of people are thinking about it, and he doesn't like to talk about it. Anyways, I do remember, I mean, the State of the Union was pretty entertaining. I remember turning to my mom and saying something about how I'm not a huge Biden fan, but boy, does he he seem measured and controlled and compassionate compared to Trump. And then you see Marjorie Taylor Greene in her Cruella DeVille, Puff Daddy, QAnon jacket screaming. And you just go, good God, I mean, if this is the choice, Biden sure seems okay. And I don't think he should run again, for the record. I really don't think he should run again. I think the optics and just the talking points that the right will have will be chaotic. Polling doesn't show Democrats want him to either. But anyways, we won't talk about that much today. But the event, to me, just showed a clear and just dire contrast between him and House Republicans, who just... Just seem triggered on everything. They always make fun of the the left being the ones that are always triggered and angry and woke. But God, they were just heckling Biden and acting like fools on everything. I mean, maybe Tucker Carlson's book Ship of Fools should have been about them instead of the left. But you know, Kevin McCarthy explic explicitly instructed them not to do so. But I think NPR has a great point, and it says here in an article in quotes, McCarthy, who took fifteen rounds to win his speakership because of the far-right rejection and his small majority, could clearly be seen shushing his conference at least three times. It's pre precisely the look Biden and Democrats wanted to put on display for what will likely be the largest TV audience the president will speak to this year. 
ahead of his expected 2024 re-election announcement. And look, I mean, yeah, I, I do think this was maybe Biden's coming out party for announcing his re-election. But again, we'll cover that later in the week. But I do think, again, this made Republicans look bad. Maybe not the Fox, maybe not to the Fox News audience, but I think to a lot of the country, yes. And I think this reflects on a bigger issue is that, once again, the Republicans are not really good with the optics at this point, And they look like assholes. And it makes them look crazy. And... Of course, they shouldn't agree with Biden on everything. I don't agree with Biden on everything, but he just basically kept triggering them and they took the bait. And of course, this shows me that the days of decency are over. But it also just shows me that these Republicans are just making a mockery out of democracy. And there was pure irony to me. And... (laughs) Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders did the response to Biden's speech, and she called out the radical left, their flags, their false idols. She talked about how the real division in the country was between the crazies and the normies. Of course, she seems to think she's the crazy, I mean, sorry, the normie, and Biden's the crazy. I would probably flip that. And she called Biden woke and radical, and just it's, it was a class act and projection to the viewers which was just nonsense about which party is more sensible and reasonable and moderate. Like, I think it was David Pakman who talked about this today on his show about how, you know, and and the numbers are there. Arkansas is at the bottom of the barrel for education, for quality of life, for income, health, etc. And during her first days in office, you know, she focused on banning the non-existential, by the way, critical race theory in elementary schools. Arkansas schools are not good. And the fact that she focused on that, I think, puts her in the radical crazy bucket, not the normie sensible one that she claims to be in. And as Charlie Sykes wrote in The Bulwark this morning, she once again reminded us that she is not a rising star, but a Nepo baby. And I I do think that that's an interesting point to make here is because she talks about Biden lying and she couldn't see through or she could see through the lies. It's like this was a gal who was a masterclass in lying during her time as Trump's press secretary, you know, and oh, it's just irritating. She wasn't focused on the issues either. I mean, she banned critical race theory. Great, great, Sarah. I'm so proud of you. And look, I mean, she did a better job than I think other conservatives had in the past in responding here. And I didn't know she had thyroid cancer. And I'm sorry. But as I think one of my family members I was talking to also said, I mean, you know, a lot of people suffer from that. And it's not an easy way to just say, okay, well, because she suffered and she's a family woman, well, she's fine. No, I don't think she is. I think she's going to be a bad governor. I'm sorry she suffered from cancer. I'm glad to hear she seems to be on the rise, no doubt about it. But at the same time, I'm like, that doesn't take away from the fact that As governor, she's in a state that needs a lot of help, and she's focused on telling schools what they can teach and calling the Biden side the crazy one. And I should also note that, you know, Biden did talk about policy. While she calls him crazy, Biden has never been woke. So I I, I get tired of the Huckabee Sanders types and all most of the right calling Biden woke. And like I said, Biden had a much more populist platform here. And I liked, for example, his his ideas to eliminate junk fees from airlines. He talked about how if you want to sit next to your kids on a flight, you should be able to without paying some crazy fee. I mean, I I travel and fly a lot. I I know about the fees. They fucking suck. And maybe we should get rid of those, especially when the airlines are never on time 
and it's always chaotic. And even the right couldn't even stand and clap for that. And it, it seemed like they were just against everything Biden said, even if they probably on paper are not. So exhausting, exhausting. Huckabee Sanders just, uh, I, I really hope she's not a rising star in the party because if she's a star, God, maybe maybe we need a black hole or something. I, I, I don't know. Ultimately now. Biden called for bipartisan cooperation, but we all know that didn't happen. We all know that Biden is going to face an uphill battle. But I think that the Republicans face kind of a lovely plethora of an optics problem and also a problem of inaction. Studies show time and time again that a lot of Biden's policies are popular. They're just not good at marketing them. And perception in the public is very difficult right now. And I think the problem is, is that inflation's made it difficult to know actually how good the economy is under Biden, especially compared to Trump. And honestly, Biden is good for the economy from everything I've seen. And the problem here, too, is that Republicans are focused on being contrarians. They shift narratives, for example, about a white balloon that, you know, they can't even fucking keep their story straight. They want to investigate the Biden family for corruption or whatever it is, while Trump was probably one of the most corrupt presidents of all time. It's just insane. And I think I think the most telling part of the entire night was that moment that I love when Congressman Santos or, I mean, God, I don't even know what his name is anymore, Katara, DeVolder, whatever, is when he he had the balls. And I'll give it to him. He had the balls here. He he sat, you know, front and center to shake Biden's hand. He he was shaking everyone's hand. He was right in front of the cameras for a, this. This guy has no shame. And of course, he's shaking hands with senators. And Mitt Romney comes along and says, "You don't belong here." He Mitt Romney scolded Santos as he entered the chamber, and apparently words were exchanged. And Romney's office did confirm this later. Romney was actually interviewed after all of this, after the State of the Union, and he said, yeah, this guy's a liar, and he should be sitting in the back. He's being investigated by the Ethics Committee. He he should be in the back, not sitting front and center meeting with everybody. And I think that pissed off Romney, and it's rare for him because this is a guy who's usually reserved and quiet, And but the sight of calling Romney out and calling a grifter like Santos out is just amazing. But it also just shows me that the Republican civil war rages on. And sadly, I think we all know who is winning, which side is winning here. Because, look, Romney's one of the last. And I think the side that's winning is the side that has the lady in the white fur coat who made Kevin McCarthy's night a living hell, right? And while the crazies are winning, who lost, you may think? I think it's people like myself, moderates. People who maybe just want bipartisan cooperation. The American people. We're all losing. Last night was entertaining, but it doesn't give me a lot of hope for, you know, the future of the party or anything like that. Anyways, it's getting it's getting kind of late, so uh, hate me if you want. But uh, we're going to talk about Peru tomorrow. I think it's better that way. Basically, Peru is just collapsing into a lot of social and ideological and ethnic stratification and a lot of people are worried about whether democracy can actually survive all of this so i think tomorrow we'll we'll focus on this uh so apologies but the state of the disunion is real 
and let me know your thoughts. You can find me on Twitter, Alex Kapitko, and you can find me on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, all that fun. Take care. Have a great night.